Welcome back to another episode of ASE Digs Deeper. Today we're talking about a particularly important issue in archaeology and that's the RESPECT campaign which deals with sexual harassment, bullying and discrimination. I'm your host Emily and today our guest is Kate Hawkins, co-author of the Badger Respect Guide, which is a document about acting against harassment in archaeology. Kate, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, uh, I'm said Kate Hawkins. Uh, I've been working in commercial archaeology since the mid-late 1990s, um, primarily as a pottery specialist, focusing on late Iron Age and Romano British periods. Right. Um, I'm a bit of a polymorph, like most of us specialists. So, um, yeah, over the years I've worked for a number of organisations, I've been an employee, freelance, um, and last year I joined ASE after four years with the Surrey Archaeology Unit. Yeah, so that's kind of how I know you is as a pottery specialist, but you definitely wear a lot of hats as like a lot of us do. Like I'm actually an animal bone specialist, but here we are recording a podcast. So <laughs> anyway, so though aside from your pottery specialist role with ASE, like tell us about your career that brought you to work on the Badger Respect campaign. Oh, yes. Um, well, like I said, I started off um, on the circuit as digger back in the late 1990s. Um, and I suppose was my involvement with the SPEC campaign, um, it was a combination of lots of things during my career. So quite a few incidents I remember when I was a when I was a new digger. Um, um, and I, you know, I can remember vividly being a, we, one of my first excavations that I worked on was quite a large urban site. And you had the team of archaeologists and obviously we had quite a lot of other team, different contractors on site as well. Um, and I remember once uh, coming down from the site office and being cornered in the stairwell by one of the other contractors, oh, no. which was pretty terrifying two weeks yeah. into your first job. And uh, luckily some of my colleagues appeared at the top of the stairs, so it was kind of all resigned. And, and I think, I don't know with hindsight actually whether I would have reported that incident. Mm. It was just the fact that I went up to the tea room and my uh, site supervisor was there. Yeah. And I could see I was a bit shaken. So it kind of all just went, Bleh. yeah. And he, he was brilliant. He he reported it for me and didn't see. I think that I think the guy involved was removed from site. I didn't see him again. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, it's. I mean, that happened over twenty years ago now, and mm. you know, you still still hearing the same kind of yeah. incidents, and you know, it's so frustrating that. So many people have tried, and there's been so many initiatives, and there's been some brilliant work done, um, like colleagues in British Women Archaeologists. Mm. You know, they've done some brilliant work over the years, and it's, but there's still the sense of lethargy with employers, or I don't know what it is, but there's, you know, that momentum, it, it hasn't changed, the situation hasn't changed. And I think it was a sense of, there was a couple of incidents um, a couple of years ago that brought to my attention, and it was, it was just a frustration really and I wrote to I sent a late night message to David Connolly having mm. a bit of a rant and he went oh funnily enough I've also had a message from Kat Reese having a similar rant uh-huh. <laughs> so David did what David does at Badger and he put us together mm. and um that's how the the respect guide got written really it was Kat and I with a little bit of input from David it coincided with me too but that was yeah that was coincidental um and fortuitous in a way yeah. but um it wasn't the, the me too movement didn't inspire us to write the guide we'd been working on the guide and 
then it all kind of happened at happened at the same time really mm. um yeah so that's that's kind of how the guide was born and then we were really um the reaction from we were, we were a bit apprehensive about publishing it um yeah. uh, but the reaction from colleagues was overwhelmingly positive i mean it was no it was a phenomenal response and the campaign really came about because of colleagues saying what you're going to do next where's this going next what are you going to do with it and we went oh <laughs> <laughs> okay now you've given us the challenge and we're going yeah. to take it on so um so that's so the campaign very much came from the guide and the the guide is constantly evolving it's already had one update it's due another update um we see it very much as a you know it's a very flexible document that you know lots of people give us input and it changes and you know we're trying to keep it relevant and yeah so it kind of like yeah came from this unspoken truth for a lot of female archaeologists and and uh, minority archaeologist groups I guess I think the guide focuses specifically it does reference bullying as well it's it out of the different types of harassment you know, there's the obviously the nine protected characteristics um we focused on sexual harassment in that one because um it was the one that felt sort of most personal and urgent to us at, i suppose at the time um and uh like i said we'd had a couple of of independently we'd had conversations with people who um had had experiences and decided not to take them further and had left archaeology instead yeah, yeah. so that that is why the guide has that particular focus but you know yeah. i mean the, the guide does stress you know archaeology in many ways it's no more dangerous or predatory than any other profession exactly. but we do have certain elements within our within our um well within how archaeological field work in particular is structured that does place individuals at increased risk yeah. um and there's been a long history of that so that's what yeah. the guide tries to to address yeah so let's talk about the guide a bit more because there might be people listening who don't really know what it is so do you want to in your own words kind of like give us a guide 101 talk about its aims and and how does it help people tackle harassment in their institutions well we wanted the guide to um to very much be uh, practical rather than aspirational but we wanted to start a conversation basically mm. wanted to get the conversation while well, moving on really and doing it in a way that enabled people to have these conversations about what was happening and the situations where it arises and we um so we we put various um examples in there you know obviously archaeology's got a big culture of drinking we have mm. which has all sorts of problems associated with that um, and inappropriate behaviours that come from it and the lack of blurrings maybe with away on um, away excavations yeah, you have like the, the blurring of boundaries between yeah. work time and free time and actually when you're on those on that those you know that is you're still in a work environment yeah you know and uh, so we wanted to put some examples from those type of situations and raising the fact that actually employers have a duty of care here as well for their staff um, mm -hmm. and the use of code of conducts and we've got some templates at the back of the document for people who don't have code of conducts um, you know and about making those code of conducts relevant and enforceable giving examples of unwanted behaviours inappropriate behaviours and there's a lot mm -hmm. of signposting and when I said it it's due to have another um, 
another revision. We've obviously got a lot more resources now to put in it. It was last revised in 2018 and there's been various movements since. Some really good resources. I mean, the CBA have put a really, really good, um, they've got their Equality and Diversity Hub and they've got some really good sections on there with resources. You know, we've been working with other people um, and there's like uh, Fix the Glitch, you know, Keeping Women Safe Online. Um, There's lots of there's lots of other resources now that we can put into it. So there's there's a lot about signposting. And it's also about um, letting people know that we exist and we're here. (laughs) So we have a lot of people contact us in confidence. Um, Mm -hmm. We also wanted to find a way to make uh, this subject more visible on site. So you can um, download, there's posters that can go in site huts. there's, there's quite a, quite a few organisations now have, have got their respect posters um, and the idea was that people could have that conversation in work, identify somebody who would be a point of contact, have that number on the board. But mm. it's also, it's a bit like with um, health and safety posters and, you know, mental health awareness. It's having that visual reminder on a wall that actually, yeah. you know, everybody just needs to be respectful. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I mean, there's it, lots of, lots of, um, lots of different things about the, about the guide and the intention behind the guide and then that's enabled us to then go on and do do other things from it. So like as part of your kind of role going on from the guide now you're kind of like a, a sort of a port of call for people who have these kinds of issues like was that intentional or is that a kind of like organic? <laughs> yeah it's been very much organic it's kind of um, I mean it, it's grown more than we could have imagined when we when we read the guide and um, I think we tend to say that we have four sort of core aims that we sort of work around Mm. so obviously there's the campaigning side of things Um, and then there's the we do a lot of collective action so we work I suppose we very much come from the the thinking that the more of us that work together the louder we can shout and the harder it's going to be for people to ignore us (laughs) right so we do you know, we do a lot of work with Prospect, with CFIRTH and their Equality and Diversity Group, yeah. um, colleagues over in Mentoring Women as well, Mentoring Women mm-hmm. Heritage, mm-hmm. Heritage. Um, Trailblazers, the Enabled Archaeology Forum, yeah, yeah. British Women Archaeologists, Museum Detox. So there's there's a lot of us all chipping away at this yeah. and every so often we kind of come together and, and work collectively. And um, Hannah Cobb at Manchester, is actually working on bringing us all together and uh, idea, which is, if I can get this right, inclusion, diversity, and equality, and archaeology and heritage. So it's Yay. it's like a hub. Yeah. So a couple of times a year, we can all come together. We can all talk about what we're all doing, um, and uh, you know, we can be more effective, basically. Because, yeah. like I said, you know, there's there's been a long history of activism in archaeology and. And, you know, a lot of what we do builds very much on the work that people like Rachel Pope and Untether have been doing for a long time. So it's about all of us working collectively. And then we also do, you know, obviously we provide confidential support. So we have, after the guide was published, um, a lot of people contacted us asking if there, you know, there's some sort of support group. So we do have on Facebook um, the Respect Women in Archaeology and Heritage group, which is um, a private, a secret Facebook group. Not so secret now. <laughs> uh, it's, if you look for it, you won't find it. Yeah. Right, <laughs> obviously, we want people to know it exists. Yeah. Absolutely. And we gave members of the group um, the option to make it 
private rather than secret. Mm. But they very much said no, they they want to keep it secret because of the nature of conversations that go on in there. And um, so we also have the Facebook page so people can find us and then we mm. can direct mm. them to the group. Um, and we also um, that was yeah that was set up not long after the guide. Um, and I think the respect women in archaeology and heritage group. Um, we tend to deal a lot more with um, or people comment in there who are experiencing sexual harassment and mm. sexism and, and those kind of issues. And our colleagues over in mentoring women in archaeology and heritage, um, that's much more of, a, of the, the general mentoring sort of page. So, we, you know, we, right. we work closely together, slightly different remits. But then with the respect group, we also set up um, an LGBTQ respect group as well. Mm. Um, and I think, I'm not sure how many members are in that one. The respect group's got five, I think it's got 500 members or around that figure. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a good group. People come to us with all sorts of things. And a lot of what we do is confidential. So we signpost people or we provide confidential support. We do quite a lot of liaising in certain situations um, to help people. But, you know, we can't, because it's confidential, it's not the sort of thing we can talk about. <laughs> No, of course. Detail, but, no. but we are we are there in the background helping. yeah it's signposting these services exist and like that these support networks exist and also just providing a listening ear for people while they're working out what their next steps are and where they want to go mm. with things um and then of course with challenge challenging incidents of sexual harassment and um making a noise and working again with others so that that's kind of how we structure what we do um, and through all of those different things you know that leads to lots of other activities so within the respect group recently we had people women who'd recently done training courses with the CITB. CITB is the construction industry training board right? Um, yeah uh, people who are working on site you know they do the, the health and safety courses and there's various ah, yes, yes. site safety courses and things. Yeah I rarely go out on site and so quite a lot of this don't experience but uh, so you see Kat my colleague does a lot of field work right. still and I deal a lot with the, the post-ex side of things so right, between us again, we, we, we cover all sorts of bases but um yeah so we had these uh, we had a number of women comment on and it's quite often the way somebody will make a comment and then other people will go oh yeah I had this or I experienced yeah. that and you think oh actually what is going on here um so we wrote with Prospect and BWA to the CITB and said, look, we're getting these reports about this sexism, a lot of it unintentional, but, you know, it's making women feel quite uncomfortable and, you know, this isn't quite working as effectively as it could be. Yeah. And they got in touch with us. They were really interested to hear what we had to say. Um, and that's actually now led to some really positive outcomes with the CITB. So they're yeah, they're, they're, they've agreed with us about running a baseline survey so that we can see if the changes that they're now putting into effect, because a, a lot of these things, they take time. Yeah. And, it, and that's where I get, uh, people get frustrated that things aren't changing quickly enough. But I've had moments where I just wanted to just rip the whole system apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to a certain extent, you have to, you have yeah. to work with the system and you have to get these things moving and then you start to see the change taking effect. So... Um, that was a really positive, um, positive interaction with with them. And again, it sounds like sex, you know, the sexism and the comments, you know, they 
they can seem like quite low level unwanted behaviours, but actually if you tackle those, then you can prevent the bigger, more serious instances oh, happening further up. So CITB said, oh, you know, we can change our managers courses and we're like, well, actually, it's the it's the people on site, it's the contractors on site working with our archaeologists that you actually need mm. to to have these conversations with. And that's where you need to start addressing the situation. Yeah. So and, and Prospect have, have talked about in their surveys, they've shown that most of the reports of sexual harassment are those low level comments that are just constant, you know, and a lot of the like time, shrug them off, but, you know, you shouldn't shrug them off because, you know, we need to report them and we need to document them and then we can work at eliminating them. Um, and then the survey is another thing that we we recently looked at doing a survey on bullying and harassment, the reporting of bullying and harassment. So looking at how much impact has Me Too had on empowering people to feel more confident to report because so many more people are having the not just respect but you know, just generally within society more people are talking about these things um and i i gave a talk on that the cifa webinar which is on the the badger website okay so people can go and watch it yeah 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 and Great. and the, it's, it was just the pre preliminary results um but again it's given us more stuff to work on so going back and talking to employers about um, identifying things they can do to support their staff. The, the survey basically showed that when people witness um, sexual harassment occurring on site, they instinctively want to intervene. Um, and a lot of research has shown that when people do intervene at that stage, then that can have a massive impact on reducing overall levels. Right. But obviously you want people to do that safely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and people need to feel that empowered to do that and feel like if they do intervene they've got their employer support to do that yeah so that's another area that we're looking at and we're working on um and also training working on some training materials to help people understand you know things like the equality act and sexual harassment and whistleblowing and how it all fits together and what they can do um and then also you know we we do harass people ourselves in a way and then we're constantly <laughs> writing to organisations and going, where's your code of conduct? Have you, th right. you know, how are you implementing this? And uh, one example would be, I suppose, after the, it was quite a high profile um, case, um, Danny Bradford and her um, experience with Cambridge University when she mm -hmm. reported her experience of harassment. And following on from that, we wrote with Danny's, um, commission we we wrote we followed up on that and we wrote to Cambridge University and asked them some detailed questions and they responded and that's all published on the on the badger on the respect twitter mm -hmm. put all the all the communications up there again with their permission and then we followed that up by writing to all archaeology departments asking them about their code of conduct and specific questions relating to to harassment and things that had come out from from Danny's case so We've had the results back from those and Kat's currently collating that information. So there's lots of things going on in the background. Mm, it's great that this doesn't just like stop with commercial archaeology, that we recognise it's a problem in in all in well, in all sectors, but Yeah, absolutely. I mean that I suppose as you know, commercial archaeologists are main experience you know, our our personal experiences within the commercial sector, but absolutely, you know, it starts at university 
Well, there's there's two avenues. People come into archaeology, they're their first experiences through university. Mm -hmm. So obviously we want to speak to the departments and look at how they approach and deal with these these issues and, and cultures. But then also the other side we're working on is with the voluntary mm -hmm. side of archaeology. And a lot of people will enter archaeology because they become involved with their local societies and the voluntary groups. So we're also writing to, I think it's something like 150 um, voluntary organisations oh. um, and having similar conversations with them. It's interesting to know how many of those groups have thought about code of conduct right. and have thought about protection for their volunteers and also the people who are running their excavations and yeah. what do you do with relationships when they develop and power balances yeah. and all that kind of, do you know what that, that? Yeah, just because people aren't getting paid in a voluntary situation doesn't mean there's any less of a power balance there. Yeah, yeah, and, and people are, you know, are, can still be at risk. So, um, so again, and but it's doing it in a in a non-confrontational way. You know, mm. it's have you yeah. thought about this? Would you find this helpful? Here's mm. our draft. Here's our template um, for a code of conduct. Have you got anything in place? Would you like to talk about this? Is this something mm. you'd be interested in? Do you know what I mean? So it's it's you know it's the it's the awareness raising. Yeah, absolutely. I do have time have for you... my job as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great because I happen <laughs> to know that you have bags and bags of dusty sheds there. So you lots and lots of earlier. <laughs> they're, they're my sanctuary when it all gets too much. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, what kind of response have you had to these kind of like these uh, these helpful inquiries that you've been sending? Um, on the whole, uh, largely positive. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's interesting, certainly within the commercial sector. Um, I think there's been, I think people have been getting more and more vocal since sort of 2017. Mm. Um, and again, I th oh, it's a difficult one. It's, um, we're in, we're facing commercial, in the commercial sector, we've got a really difficult time facing us at the moment. We've got Brexit looming, we've got the proposed planning reforms, entering a recession. We know um, there's high levels of job insecurity and we know that when you get instability in these existing power structures, it opens up the possibility for increased yeah. abuse, discrimination, harassment. We've had people contacting us saying, you know, they're really worried about the effect of all of these things and an increase in, in possible harassment. So and we've had some comments back about employers who are you know, their main focus is on keeping people in jobs. Hmm. And we'd be like, well, yes, absolutely. We want to keep people in jobs, but yeah. actually you also need to keep them safe in those jobs. Yeah. So despite all of these insecurities, that doesn't mean you can step back on looking at ways you can, simple things you can do right. to help keep people safe in, in their employment with you. So um, mostly the, you know, we've had some really positive conversations with people. Um there is always going to be a sense of frustration that we're not doing enough and we're not doing it quickly enough. And I totally, I totally get that. We get frustrated <laughs> with mm. the uh, the lack of um, movement. But I think you can see that, you know, it is it is changing. It's, it is starting to change from where mm. I was sort of 20 years ago. And largely it's coming from 
it's coming from the archaeologists. Um, and, you know, I, I'm hoping now that people are starting to feel more empowered to actually say when these things happen, there's always going to be that level of fear that if you report, then somehow it's going to be used against you. Right. Which, again, is totally understandable. And that's to do with our whole sector set up mm. and, and the job insecurities and everything that comes that comes with working in archaeology. So, again, I think that's something that we very much want to do is have those conversations for people who don't feel confident to have them themselves. Mm. You know, we can be that voice for them. Absolutely. Um, and I look at the particularly the online groups, the Respect Facebook group and the Mentoring Facebook group. And I think that's those for women and working in archaeology, those are having a, a really positive effect because there is now somewhere you can go. When I got when I had that incident in the stairwell, there was nobody that I could, oh. you know, and I don't even know whether I would have maybe spoken to a, a more senior female in the team. And I, right. and I carried that stuff with me. Yeah, and I suppose when you, you go, when you start working inside, yeah, you still get sexist comments. And, you know, you, there are some mm. managers that I've encountered in the past who've been, well. Yes, for those who can't see Kate's face, because this is a podcast, uh, it looks pained. <laughs> yeah, they could definitely done with some courses. But um, yeah. you, it's not that you think it's not still happening. But mm. when it's not happening to you, it's very easy to just get on with your job. Right. And then I think I've, I reached the point in my career where I was like, actually, I don't want anybody experiencing that. And I'm I feel secure. I'm lucky now to feel secure enough in my career and where I am. that actually I can start to yeah. shout about this and I can do it for those that can't or don't feel able to. Um, and I feel very strongly about that. There was a really, really good survey by prospect um recently obviously the archaeology branch fed into and have presented mm -hmm. the findings relating to archaeology and the figures for uh, sexual harassment the reporting of sexual harassment when you look at the tuc did a, a nationwide survey and there was the findings from that were very similar to the prospect workplace behavior survey so you had 52 percent of women reported experiencing some form of sexual harassment and it's 51 percent in the prospect survey um, 32 percent of women um, unwanted jokes and 28 percent unwanted comments on their clothing or their body shape and again with the prospect that was 30 and 27 percent respectively so very very similar when yeah, you look nationally yeah. but it did also pull out when you look specifically at archaeology um, nationally reports of harassment by third parties was coming in at around seven percent mm. but within the prospect survey I've got a feeling it was more like 17 so right. much, much higher. And anecdotally, we often hear that a lot of harassment occurs from third parties. Yeah, yeah. But and we do have more than that, more of that than other sectors. But then when you look at the rest of the data, most of the harassment within archaeology is still coming from colleagues and senior colleagues. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, we do we do have we do have a lot of work to do yeah. to do there. But, you know, it's like we were saying earlier, it is tackling that those low level making that unacceptable and then it it work goes a long way to reducing the incidence of the more serious um harassment and assault which you know sadly we do get we do get accounts of it does happen just yeah. because people think archaeology is you know we're a bit of a, a left-wing profession i suppose people <laughs> think we're all easygoing and <laughs> right um, you know like any profession we, we still have 
um, those kind of behaviours sadly do happen. Yeah. So kind of just to wrap up, I think what we'll get you to do, if you don't mind, is tell us like the main things that institutions can do. I think we've discussed quite a lot of them, but like what can they do to tackle harassment in the workplace? Uh, code of conducts. Look at their code of conducts, make sure they're relevant, they're update, make sure they're accessible, mm-hmm. um, include in them types of behaviours that are unacceptable. Right. Include a definition of harassment, you know, and I think most probably do refer to the Equality Act, but also bullying is, we're getting more and more reports of bullying and that's very difficult because that doesn't have a definition in UK employment mm-hmm. law, whereas obviously sexual harassment does. But one way you can go around that, uh, or deal with that rather, is include examples in your code of conduct of unacceptable behaviour. There are loads of resources out there online. Employers can look at some of the bystander training, so bystander intervention, so they can create an environment where your staff feel safe and supported and feel like if they intervene, that it's going to be, they're going to be supported by their employers. Because you know, employers, there's vicarious liability. They do have a duty to ensure that their staff are safe. And yeah. they would need to show that they've taken measures to show that their staff are safe. So, you know, it's a bit of a two-way street. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there's that concept of trust. Uh, so, yeah, code of conduct is a big thing. Look at their reporting systems. We have a lot of small organisations where it's, it can feel very difficult. It's very difficult to m- maintain anonymity. Anonymity. I can't say that <laughs> because you work for a small organization and we know yeah. in archaeology there are lots of personal relationships as well mm-hmm. um we've all either been to university with people or been in relationships with people and yeah. and that you know again it can be within a small organization they might not have a dedicated hr person for example it might be somebody who's taken on that role mm-hmm. um so look at training for your staff um and all staff um, not just, you know, site staff. A lot of organisations now will do, yeah. will include talks on harassment in their toolbox talks. Okay. Um, and I know at ASC we do, we do a lot yes. of this, and we have our dignity at Where work. Yeah, yeah, that. which is fantastic. And historic England as well have um, talk about this. So it's made clear right from the very start what the the level of expectation when it comes to behaviour mm-hmm. is. And again, yeah. that empowers people to um, pull up other people if they're not behaving appropriately. Right. If everyone knows what the standard is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and they're very simple steps that, that organisations can do. And uh, it gets trickier when you look at reporting um, mechanisms. Again, at ASC, we're fortunate because we have the UCL system. We have an anonymous reporting system because we're part of a much bigger organisation. Um, there isn't anything like that across our sector, right. which is something that I know in respect we've we've been um, having conversations about is there some way we can have some sort of um, anonymous reporting system that people can use uh, or but organisations can look at, make it very clear, have make it everybody knows what the process is if you report and what you can expect to happen. Mm. The things we found in our survey was that overwhelmingly people want to report but then when you look at the levels of confidence of um, effective action being taken, it's yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of confidence at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that employers can look at. Uh, also, you know, we can do things sector wide. For example, there's been the joint statement by CIFA, Fame and Prospect 
on bullying, harassment and discrimination. And in that joint statement, they committed themselves to supporting and promoting the message that bullying, harassment and discrimination are not going to be tolerated across the profession. Mm. And also in identifying and promoting and encouraging good practice in dealing with bullying, harassment and discrimination. So, you know, there, there are things there that, that people can do. Um, diversifying your workforce as well. Right. You know, we yeah. know in archaeology, we have this, <sighs> there are lots more women entering the profession, but then we have that when you look at senior roles, they are very, very much male dominated. Mm. And again, when you get those power imbalances and those gender imbalances, you get that's when you can get um, harassment occurring mm. as well. Um, and, you know, building trust employers, you know, building trust, like I said, about handling incidents. So there's I think there's, there's lots of things as a sector that we can do. I mean, in respect, we're going to carry on being noisy we're going to carry on yeah. flagging things up encouraging people to come to us if people come to us then that gives us something that we can we can work off and we can keep it anonymous um and whether it's it's the, the low level things such as the sexism comments in the citb that i spoke about or whether it's mm. more serious um incidents you know we can help provide support so and signposts so they're there's lots of things and I really, really hope somebody in the survey, we had one comment back that really struck a chord with me and, I, and I've mentioned it lots and I don't know who the person is because obviously it was all anonymous, but whoever it was, thank you. <laughs> and they said that it's not to do so much with raising awareness of harassment in archaeology. We've always known that this mm. occurs. I mean, you can speak to women in their 50s and they can they can recount horrendous examples of, of harassment going back from university and all through, you know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's always been there. But what is changing is the levels of acceptance. Right. And I think that that is key. It's the acceptance that's changed. And that's what we need to keep working on. Mm. So there's hope for the future. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for your insight into the Respect campaign. I'll put links to all the resources, talks and groups that Kate's mentioned today in the show notes. So thank you all for listening and thanks again to Kate Hawkins for coming to talk to me today. Well, thank, thank you for, for letting me come and talk. It's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that episode of Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. You can find more information about the episode in the show notes or on our website at ucl.ac.uk forward slash archaeology dash south dash east forward slash podcast for more archaeology content follow us on social media we're on twitter at arc southeast and facebook and instagram at archaeology southeast thanks for listening